Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I am your host, Duncan McPherson. And on this podcast, our objective is to always empower and enable our audience, which are high caliber fee-for-service professionals, so they can work on their business and on themselves personally and professionally. And to that end, on today's podcast, I had a very in-depth conversation with my friend, Chris Jepson, who, as you might know, is the co-author of the Advisor Playbook and the Blue Square Method, which you can get from your first trust wholesaler. And we talked about what it means to be the advisor of the future, which among other things, confirms that there is immense value to shifting from financial professional to CEO, which means it's not a book of business, it's an actual business. If you like this podcast, please tell your colleagues and share it with others. If you have any ideas or topics you'd like to hear for this podcast in the future, just let us know. Thank you very much for listening. Very excited to be joined by Chris Jepson to have a conversation about the advisor of the future. Often, as we bridge from one year to the next, we have very meaningful, in-depth strategic planning conversations with some exceptional teams. And a definite theme and trend is watching these advisors shift from financial professional to CEO where it's no longer a book of business, it's an actual business and they're running their business like a business. So I don't want to share some of the commonalities where we've also done many coaching debriefs, looking for trends. We've done some significant analysis from the practice management index. And of course, Chris, I'm looking forward to your contributions based on your many interactions with top teams. So thanks for being back on Always On. Super excited to always be here. It's uh, I think I always get more out of the podcast and I'm sure I'm contributing, but just the uh, the brain share here of, of our experiences in the field is always enlightening for me and I'm excited to be able to share what uh, I'm hearing out in the street. Yeah, that's great. And of course, that's our lab where we refine and optimize and add to our content. But I'm so excited seeing these patterns of financial professionals who are really stepping it up in terms of their mindset of a CEO. And in other instances, the overall C-suite, COO and CMO and on it goes. The first thing I just want to acknowledge, as you can see, I've placed our books here like trophies. Chris, the most common question we get about the blue square method is what's the difference between it and the advisor playbook? And I had this incredible conversation with a pretty substantial advisor who's devoured both. And I told him, because he asked me the question, you know, before he actually launched in. And I said, you got to remember the advisor playbook really started in 08 and was about a seven year exercise up until releasing it in 2015. And of course, the moment that book hit, we started working on what was going to be our next book. So we had another seven years to put together the blue square method and the observations. I'm, sh- I'm convinced that more changed from 2015 to 2022 than from 08 to 2015. Would you agree? I think a lot has changed and and we've changed and evolved and our clients have changed and evolved and they've gotten bigger and their practices have become more and more really a, a divergent path. I, I think those that adopted the advisor playbook and its principles early on jumped to a a significant level that the blue square method they needed something to go beyond just that mode of of top advisor top in their branch top in their region 
to what's next. And it was just awesome to be able to participate and amalgamate all of those ideas from just an elite professionals. I, I just had this morning sitting in this conference room at the end of the table there, opportunity to visit. You visited with uh, David Rutherford, uh, ex-Navy SEAL, CIA Black Ops, SEAL trainer, multiple missions around the country, just uh, unbelievable person. And, and he said, Chris, he says, right now with the teams, he says, we're just talking TTPs. You know, and he throws out these, these acronyms all the time because as a SEAL, they've got them everywhere, right? And, uh, and I'm just a, a sponge for it. I'm like, TTPs? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, the, the tactics of, of teams, the, the uh, techniques and, the, and their procedures, tactics, techniques, and procedures. And he says, those are what we're talking about with these teams. And if you look at over the last seven years, how have your tactics, techniques, and procedures changed? Night and day is how much they've changed. And yeah. so the Blue Square Method seeks out to evolve with the tactics, techniques, and procedures of top producers. Well, I want to come back to that. And yeah, David Rutherford is an absolute gem and just so thought-provoking. But I do want to come back to the TTP because that perfectly ties into the distinction between client service and client experience. There's tactics and techniques, but then there are well thought out procedures. So hold he that actually, thought. The reason, he, the reason he brought it up was talking about the blue square method. He goes, boy, that book just, it's all about TTP. So he took what his background was, which is a SEAL training officer. And he's reading the blue square method. And he's like, this is what we teach to our teams. And it's not about doing something until you get it right. The blue square method is about doing it until you can't get it wrong. And I just, I just thought that was, uh, that was awesome. That's actually quite profound. And, you know, it's interesting. When I did a, a podcast with David, I looked at the origins of the SEAL team. It's, uh, what is the acronym for SEAL again? C, Earth air and land or what's the e anyway the the origins i think it goes back 60 years or so of when they were formed and deployed just you know elite on another level but uh so yeah i do want to come back to that for sure for me one of those distinctions between those two seven-year windows is the shift from the mindset of production to productivity, because there is a big distinction there. Production is grow, 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 produce, right? Numbers, all very important. Productivity is a little bit more enlightened and panoramic because it's become counterintuitive in, uh, around growth. I mean, yes, we see people growing up market, going and attracting more complex, sophisticated clients with incredibly evolving needs, but also the growing down to, to project that professional scarcity. We started seeing that in 08 and through that, that seven-year window, but it's been amplified dramatically, as well as the focus on enterprise value and the possibilities around growth from B to C to B to B. So I do want to talk about that as well. Of course. You know, it's interesting. I, I've really spent a lot of time looking at the adoption curve and trying to understand when something is so obvious, why it is that some people take action sooner than others. I had a conversation last week with an advisor who called me up from Florida and he said, all he said to me when we got on the phone was, I'm all in. And we've been talking for a while and he's been kind of dabbling. And I said, well, you don't want to rush into things, right? Like, you, you know, you don't want to ease in. I was just jabbing him a little bit. But I go, what tipped you over? And he said, uh, it was actually a client. And I go, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I went out for lunch with a client who's a periodontist, and uh, 
he's always been successful, but he has just been knocking it out of the park. And he asked the client, he says, what's changed? And the client said, I stopped focusing on the technical and started focusing more on what my clients want. So he says, I, I'm, I'm not taking on projects that are either fulfilling to me or profitable. I've outsourced so much of the minutiae, like Invisalign has become a massive profit center, among other things. And I started focusing more on the client experience, my bedside manner. And I started documenting all of my procedures, putting them into a proprietary playbook. Now I have periodontists from all over the country coming in and paying me to learn my way. And I've never had more fun in my life. So this is a periodontist lighting a fire under a financial professional to say, okay, it's go time. It's so incredibly fascinating, the origins of motivation. Sometimes that little dose of success pushes those over the edge. We had this morning a call with an advisor in, in Rochester, New York, with an RIA there, and, and he had just finished the Blue Square Method so this advisor, Rochester, New York, has been referred over 100 times from his client, and yet he's only received three or four of those that have actually reached out to him. And he says, I just finished the Blue Square Method. And so while on the phone, I said, you know, we find it a little bit easier if you would have us reach out to those friends or family members, and they don't need to become a client, but just to touch base and see if there might be a fit on how we could help them. And they don't need to become clients to take advantage of that service. And he said, well, while I got you on the phone, a friend of mine, an ER physician, she was just talking about, I was speaking to her about what it is you've done for us. And, and she uh, said that wouldn't be a problem at all. Give her a call. So he gets this right after reading the Blue Square Method, $4 million relationship, account just opened. And he said, Chris, who knows if she'd ever called me? So I, uh, I just love, that was, that was this morning, two and a half hours ago. That's terrific. And, and you know, it's so interesting. Some people get themselves into this no man's land when they abandon salesmanship and they get into stewardship and they want to attract but there are certain things that they just can't bring themselves to say. So they get all of these endorsements. They're so incredibly referable, yet the endorsements don't convert to introductions and these little tweaks. And it's just like, oh my goodness, like that, that's it. That's all it took to just attract a higher quality and quantity of introductions. So that, I love that. I wanted to bring back something that we picked up on in the last couple of years about how revealing this little episode we've been in has been those three groups. And this is back to the adoption curve. You got the groups that are coasting, cresting, and climbing. So obviously today I want to talk about what's separating the best from the rest around the climbers. I'm a little bit amazed because I, I still – I'm you know, I'm back on the road, I'm talking to advisors, some of whom are coasting. And I'm trying to analyze and understand how that could be based on everything they've been through. And I think somebody who's coasting, not adapting, not making the adjustments, do you think it has something to do with the fact that we essentially had a 14-year run with a few hiccups and speed bumps and Life was, for the most part, pretty good, and they got into a bit of complacency. And now I think they have to be aware that they're on a collision course with commoditization. Uh, I, I love your thought on that, first of all, and we'll get to the other two in a second. It's interesting. I think coasting could have could happen over the last 14 years. I don't see that as, as an option over the next 14 months. There will be 
cresting and climbing only, and there will be the rest. In the area of coasting, the data is absolutely clear. In fact, it's three times larger uh, the number than it's been in history as far as those that are planning to move assets in the next 12 months. And it's not would be open to or would consider it or might move, but are planning on it. So coasting is no longer an option. It's okay. There's fading to irrelevance. And then there's cresting and climbing. I, we just need to find a C that, that captures fading to irrelevance because that's how I view it. And either proactively address this or accept the consequence of, and if you're not on board with thinking that that's true, do 15 minutes of homework and look at where AI is going and the quantum computing component of wealth management, where fluid algorithmic planning solutions that are all encompassing and panoramic that have taken what we thought might be commoditized to a whole nother level of commoditization. And so this emphasis of the blue square method on bedside manner, relationship and practice management outside of the wealth management scope is as timely as, and we did hold back. I mean, in all fairness, for those that have been waiting for the blue square method to come out, we held it back and maybe could have come a year early to capture and validate these trends that we suspected were going to happen. But now, Chris, I'm sure you've seen the same thing, the, the level of self-awareness and enlightenment that the advisor of the future has, their situational awareness, their habitual approach to not being complacent. I've had several advisors who now, when they do get introduced, they not only ask the rainmaker what they said, they also ask the prospective client what it is that prompted them to see the merit in coming down here and having this initial conversation. Yeah, that surprises me. That surprises me, Duncan, to this day that people would receive a referral and not solicit why the referral came, like what made them referable at a minimum to continue to meet those expectations, but to to go deeper on it. You were talking about these three different phases in which advisors find themselves, the either coasting, cresting or climbing and whether this coasting is something that I'm seeing as well in the field. Maybe historically, but not anymore. Coasting it will not be the option. We now are looking at fading to irrelevance or cresting or climbing. And that complacency, which the byproduct is a fade, is evident in the data. I mean, we're looking at a triple, a 300% increase on those that are planning to move assets in the next 12 months, and they're planning it because someone is not meeting their expectations in some area. And it's in that space that if 44% of assets are planning on moving in the next 12 months, then someone's going to grow by 44% or someone's going to fade or some variation of the two. The assets don't disappear, right? It's a zero sum that they're going somewhere. And how do we become those that are climbing in an environment where others are fading and by adopting strategies of relevance? And that is the essence of the blue square. I think it was Sun Tzu who said there is opportunity within all chaos. And those enlightened advisors who have seen a dramatic uptick in their referability, like they've always been referable, but now the world is really cooperating to create these referable moments. When they're asking the prospective client the question, what prompted you to see the merit, not only in reaching out to a friend that you trusted, but also in getting in your car and coming down here to have this meeting? And they say something like this, Something changed, something broke in my relationship with my current or soon-to-be former advisor. 
And ultimately, at the end of the day, they've ghosted me. They're, they're, they're not reaching out to me proactively. It's sporadic and haphazard. And the tone, the energy is different. And it just feels like this volatility caught them by surprise or they weren't prepared for it. It's just something's different. That question. What do you think are the early symptoms? What are the early symptoms to that? If, if an advisor is listening to the podcast right now and they're wondering, they're either feeling absolutely secure in their client loyalty, that the clients are on board and wouldn't consider an alternative. What would be a symptom that there may be an underlying current that they're not aware of, of loyalty fatigue? Well, that's just it. I mean, I think in the spirit of the mindset that only the paranoid survive and thrive, the very best, the cresting and the groups that are climbing, they take nothing for granted. And they're constantly putting their finger on the pulse. How am I perceived? How am I described? How am I achieving professional contrast? How am I activating professional scarcity? They're so mindful of it and they're working on it regardless of external forces and conditions. So there's the opportunity. That's You're the, right. The that's 44%. The, that's, the that's the answer, right? You just, if, if you're listening to this and you're not sure what the pulse is, that's your answer. If you are not actively embracing a proactive model or process to elevating the client experience, then you have your answer. So that's kind of what I want people to think of is the, and we say it all the time. In fact, I had that conversation this morning. You know, it comes to the blue square method. Chris, who's this for? Well, the people who want it the most need it the least. <laughs> I mean, that's just the truth. You know, oh, Chris, we got so many advisors that are, that are begging for, for more. Great. You know what? They're already the top advisors. They're going to continue to be the top advisors because the clay is still soft. They're openly engaged with identifying whether there's opportunities that they haven't seen. And they're typically already the top. And that's just a characteristic of, of an elite forward-looking professional, right? So those who need it the most want it the least. So I almost feel like if someone's listening to this podcast, they are paranoid. They are already looking to, to improve. And so it's unfortunately those that aren't listening are the ones that good for you. Cause those are the 44% that will be coming your way for dialing in. Well, I had an advisor in Texas last week say it beautifully. He goes, I've been paying myself first for savings with practice management and business development, working on my business for years to bring me to a point of being worthy right now. And my competitors are weary. And now it's self-evident. My the, the professional contrast I have, the energy, the calm that I have, I'm so much more attractive. And to hear somebody mirror it back on me like that and, and actually pay tribute to the investment of effort he and his team have been making, it's beautiful. I will say this, uh, everybody listening in, if you want a, uh, you can have a digital copy sent to you immediately of the Blue Square Method by reaching out to your first trust wholesaling team. Timing's perfect. Beginning of a year, yeah, that, working on the your way business. to do that. Way to do that, Duncan, is just that 800 621 That's area code routed. So that's probably the easiest way. That'll, that'll dial you into your, those that are, I mean, a couple hundred now uh, strong of, of outside wholesalers. And, and, they're at the top of the game too. Now that I'm back out there working with them, it is so palpable. The energy, the optimism, and I mean, every, everyone's being realistic about the world we're in, but the voice of reason and the antidote to conventional wisdom, it's so incredibly attractive. But more on that in a second as well. I do want to button down. So coasting, not adapting, on a collision course with commoditization and other forces out of your control, climbing, or sorry, cresting, which is still growing, 
And again, we're seeing people, they're saying, I am growing faster now than I was 12 months ago, but not out in front of their capacity issues. So on a different collision course, and then let's talk about what's separating the best from the rest as it relates to climbing, who are refining and optimizing everything we they do and simultaneously adding a sense of rejuvenation and added purpose to the value they bring to the world. So let's talk about some of the commonalities of the climbers. And we, we touch on this extensively in the Blue Square Method. It's starting with the goal of saying, okay, look, in the spirit of plateau avoidance, as a team, we want to identify six to eight gaps that exist in our business today that aren't problems, they're not, it's not damage, it's just gaps that we need to identify and address in a reasonable period of time. That has been profound. And I have many advisors that are, again, coming back to me saying, just having this mindset of a gap analysis, making these observations and then tackling them has been profound for our team. Identifying those gaps is the consistent characteristic of those that are climbing. Those that are cresting, it's not too late. And if you've coasted to this point and are looking for the highest return on effort activities, we talk the TTPs, the tactics, techniques, and those are found in identifying those gaps. And the operative glue in that is engaging the team. More and more leaders are, you know, they're lifelong planners, but now that that's starting to permeate how they plan for their business. So they are scheduling their daily huddles. They're spending five to 10 minutes a day assessing incrementally how we're doing as a team. They view that huddle as being as important as any client meeting and they're letting incrementalism work their magic. They're spending an hour a week tuning out the world, getting together as a team, working on their business. Two hours a month, half a day a quarter, and a full day at a minimum off-site with the team working on the business. And the leadership has put their HR cap on, understanding the aspirations and goals around the career ladder that every team member has over the course of the next five to 10 years. Everyone's bought in. That little subtle best practice is non-optional. Should we speak a bit to, Duncan, you think, how an advisor, maybe listening to this podcast, could identify or how we could help provide the resources, the back-end support for identifying those six to eight gaps? I mean, the, the Practice Management Index resource, that self-guided tool for an entire team, it's not just the leadership, for the entire team to put their business under the microscope and be brutally honest with themselves, what do we need to work on? I would have to say that that is pure gold. It's a 45-minute investment of effort. The reporting that is produced acts as a tremendous blueprint for taking action going forward. And then just the understanding that paradoxically, you identify and address six to eight gaps, when that dust is settled, six to eight new ones will emerge. But that is progress. Right. The uh, For those that are willing, like if you're looking for what the, that we talk about, you know, the tactics, a tactic would be to have those team huddles, those weekly meetings, the quarterly, the end, those are the tactics. The technique for implementation of those is following an agenda that uncovers and addresses those unmet needs or gaps that you've identified 
through the PMI process. And then ultimately, you're looking at the procedures going forward for adapting to those gaps. That is not something that we leave the advisor to their own devices on, but have put a substantial amount of resources behind assisting them in gaining clarity on those gaps and converting them to strengths, doing it until they can't do it wrong. In other words. The best place to strengthen a client relationship is in the very place where you manage that relationship. BlueSquareToolkit.com has harnessed the best practices of Pareto systems and brought them to life in our easy to use system that is accessible on both your phone and your desktop. Simple technology to uncomplicate your life by creating clarity, accountability, and consistency for your entire team. Build stronger client relationships by tracking and archiving essential information on what matters in your client's life and make yourself indispensable and more referable in the process. Create a more consistent client experience and grow your business with the Blue Square Toolkit. Visit bluesquaretoolkit.com to get your 14-day free trial today. To position yourself as a subject matter expert while efficiently creating professional contrast in the eyes of your prospective clients, strategic partners, and ideal clients, deploy a podcasting initiative using the turnkey process developed by Proudmouth. Learn more at Proudmouth.com. The only thing I would add to that is just being aware of the mindset. I, I've, I've talked about these teams so often. The teams that we meet that come to us with 400 million under management, life is good. Nothing's wrong. But they know there's more there and they want to reach and have a deeper engagement with families, had more meaning and purpose to their lives. Next thing you know, that team is well over a billion. And I love pointing out, do you find it fascinating that nowhere in your transition from 400 to adding that comma, did you all of a sudden become a better financial professional? You none of Nobody on your team got better at their core competency. Look at the things you got better at and look at the degree that your clients appreciate them. And what I love is when the leadership reminds me, they go, hey, just remember that billion, that's one billion, but it's our first billion. We're not stopping. And arguably, one to two might be easier than zero to one. But I just love that mindset, that, that, that understanding that we're good at our technical ability. That's not where the gaps are. And if there are gaps there, maybe it has to do with the fact that we should maybe outsource some of that because it's so commoditized to liberate ourselves, to go deeper into what's actually going to drive the needle uh, sustainably. That, that I, I would just add that that mindset is profound, more so now than it was five years ago. And that's the space that, it can be, and, and it's understandably so, for many, many years, the value was perceived in delivering your technical ability and core competencies in the area of wealth management. That's just the, it's, so it's understandable that, that we've retained that as being the one value, but the answers have changed. I, one of the uh, really Cool story. I, I don't maybe you, I don't know if I've told you this. Albert Einstein, when he was delivering to his senior class their final exam, after delivering the exam, the TA pulls Einstein aside and he said, "Wait, isn't this the exact same exam that you gave these students as their junior class final?" And 
Einstein said, well, yes, it is the exact same. And the, this teacher's, the teacher's assistant, the, he says, well, why would you do such a thing? And Einstein said, because the answers have changed. And if the answers are changing that quickly in the field of physics, then just imagine the dynamic changes in the area of wealth management. It is shifted away to practice and relationship management in such a dramatic way that those left behind in that coasting side of things, it's, it's great news for those that are adopting a, a more enlightened model. So and it's, and, it's and for those to your earlier point who are not set in their ways, the clay is soft. And I think that mindset, the answers are changing. That is going to have very far reaching implications on the world over the course of the next couple of years. I do yeah. want to come back to stage of readiness on the climbers. I had a conversation with a pretty substantial team that has just shifted from B to C to B to B. So they've got this phenomenal organic business and they've refined and optimized a lot of it. And they're now, they, they, they've entered into this next frontier of B to B where other financial professionals are now candidates for their value and process. But I had to call out the leader whose name is Peter. Uh, pretty strong ego, very high opinion of himself, great guy. But he was revealing something about the way he was wired in a conversation. And I said, none of this happens until you've completely depersonalized your business and it's no longer the Peter show. Unless and until that happens, you're going to self-sabotage your ability to become a business-to-business -business scalable growth professional. That was a profound conversation. I did it as respectfully as possible. There were team members involved. But there was a palpable pause. And he said, I get it. And everything has changed since that moment. So I want to talk about the mindset, and this is something else that's in the blue square method. The, the evolution, paying tribute to somebody's technical ability, but understanding where it fits in the bigger picture when it comes to colossal growth on your terms. So let's just take this quick little trip through memory lane for a second. Everybody listening in your mind's eye, if you're driving, just imagine this three-circle Venn diagram. If you happen to be at your desk, you can actually create yourself a little horizontal three-circle Venn diagram. In the spirit of climbing and putting distance between yourself and others, I want you to know exactly where you are and what needs to be done going forward. So in the left circle, your foundation is your knowledge your credentials, product knowledge, designations, and, and all of the qualities that support that in terms of integrity, professionalism, decorum, all of that. There was a time your knowledge as a knowledge for profit professional was enough to be very successful in this business. But something happened where you, it could have been in 2001, it could have been in 2008, where you realized, I, I can't just rest on knowledge. I have to build on it and I have to shift to expertise. When you made the decision to become advisory and fee-based and, and the accountability of what it means to be fee-worthy, you stop being transactional. So any emphasis on products, pricing and performance, gone. You started being directional and strategic, focusing on expertise. You started future pacing your relationships. That was profound. And, and, and Chris, I know, you know, since I've known you for the better part of now going on 15 years, 
That's something we've been talking about, being directional, being fee-worthy, being strategic, being indispensable to your clients now and in the future. That's that's finding another gear, as as you know. One of the things that uh, that you mentioned that just gets me thinking about that that mindset, that, that characteristic mindset of transitioning from this being kind of built around an individual to becoming part of an enterprise. That the most successful CEOs in country in in, in the country that we witnessed would be those CEOs that when they leave the path of growth of the company continues and, and a beat is not skipped, right? So laying out a process that eventually leads to your uh, really transition out of the business into the, to the next phase of your life leaves the clients not lacking or wanting. And this idea of skipping from not being at the mercy of a maverick talent, being a knowledge-centric advisor to one built around an expertise of planning and future pacing the value to ultimately becoming a business, an enterprise, a C-suite type experience. And this is what you know, what I'm hearing from the field for those that are moving up market that have grown down their number of positions and holdings and segmented is they want to create more of that multifamily office type experience. And that is simply a transition from knowledge along the progression pattern through experience. Well, to, to round this out, uh, if you if you take what Chris just said and look at that three circle Venn diagram, so you started with knowledge, then you went to expertise. You're on the verge of something very meaningful, and that third circle is intellectual property. So, as a knowledge for profit, fee for service professional, the eureka moment you have is when you realize that nothing you do is transactional or trading time for money. There is a cumulative impact to every single investment of effort you're making, contributing to your intellectual property that as counterintuitive and paradoxical as this is, makes you obsolete, which is the ultimate goal of the leader. The business is not dependent on your presence to be limitless in its productivity. And what is amazing to me, and I'm sure it's gratifying to you too as a coach, is when a leader has made himself or herself obsolete, and then they say to you, I have never had more fun and fulfillment in my role in my life. I still do a little bit of the technical because I love it, but all of these other elements that are process-driven in my business, my business serves my life, not the other way around. Don't we all know that surgeon that is quick to tell you, if I'm not operating, I'm not earning. I've got to be in the operating room all the time. And then you meet that other former surgeon who owns multiple surgical centers and the quality of life of that surgeon and you ask them, hey, uh, have you ever imagined if you hadn't made the move, what life might be like if you were trading your time for money, just getting paid to operate? Oh, it's, I know everyone listening knows someone that's made the transition from surgeon to, to, to business owner, to practice owner. And uh, it's funny, it's this, such a similar thing from that maverick talent wealth advisor, trading knowledge uh, and transactional to a little bit more on the expertise side to ultimately packaging an enterprise value that encompasses their intellectual property and creates a blueprint. And this is that B to C to B to B advisor that's like, we've laid the blueprint. We have so many advisors that are transitioning from their former firms 
looking for a company like ours that has already cracked the code in the area of practice and relationship management, places a focus on those things that can't be outsourced. We've got that here. And they embrace that, that idea of, of intellectual property and, and leveraging your strengths and not trading. You know, we just rarely see nowadays that $200 an hour person doing that $40 an hour work. Well, and, and when you systematically eliminate anything that creates dread, like yep. where it's a grind, like I, I just got to, I got to get through this. When, when those are removed, you become worthy on a different level. And then you realize that you've got this vast addressable audience of weary who are just like, oh my gosh, I, I think I've just run out of gas here. They, they want to hook their wagon up to you and empower you with their clients. It's so incredibly profound. I love the analogy of the surgeon because there's another example that I read about an audiologist an audiologist who is really good and he understood the demography and where the, it was all going, who, who said, I am not going to transact and trade my time for money, just interacting with patients in my audiology clinic. I am going to standardize this. I'm going to create a playbook. And now dozens of centers, hearing aids and all types of services following his way and he gets to oversee it and from what i understand he's never had more fun so incredible opportunities but let's come back to your earlier point where do you start like what does climbing actually look like and i just want to bring everybody back and again this is in the blue square method to the concept of always on what does it mean to get granular working on your business there are four quadrants. On-site, that's your fit process. That has to be completely documented. Remember, anything in your head is a skill. It's a quality. It's an intention. The moment it's documented, now it's an intellectual property. So we've got tools and templates that can fast-track you to build out your on-site fit process. And uh, I want to talk about this because, Chris, in the spirit of making your clients the voice, I've had a couple of examples very recently where an advisor has adopted Always On. They get a call. In fact, one advisor said, my last three referrals, the biggest referrals I've ever received, the last three. And I go, well, that is becoming a pattern. He asks everybody, what did you say? And he'd be the first guy to say, if I would have asked that client two years ago, what did you say when you introduced me? The client would have said, uh, you know, I just told my buddy you're smart and you make me money. Now they say things like this. What did I say? You protect me from myself and my crazy crowdsource ideas. You just liberate me to go do what I do best. Keep me on track. And I just love your process. That's essentially what I said. Or I said, hey, if anything happens to me, the second or third call my wife makes is to you. I've never felt better about the path I'm on. Like the, the, the way that people have internalized and then socialized the advisor of the future's value is represented in the quality and quantity of introductions. And it starts by working on your business and it starts with having that on-site process component of the, of the bigger process. Any thoughts or comments there? Yeah, I was just thinking about one of the greater introductions or descriptions that I heard recently that was uh, the, the client said, you know, you've given me the answers to the questions I didn't know I should be asking. Now, that is a process to uncover the answers to the questions you don't know you should be asking. 
Do you not think that a client of yours talking to one of their friends and describing you that that would not intrigue them? Yeah, my advisor actually gave me some answers to problems I didn't know I even had. He foresaw the issue before it became a problem. I'm talking about the area of planning. I'm talking about some potential tax nightmares. I'm talking about some legacy and gifting issues that were just a, a nightmare waiting to happen that were completely taken care of. I just, I just love the thoroughness of the planning that we go through. Nothing around so, performance. No, nothing about last month's statement. No. You know, you think about the conviction of the messengers of your clients. Like you're, you've got clients who have friends that really like and trust them. When they can bookend the quality of the messenger with a compelling message like that, that literally stops people in their tracks and they're like, wait, what did you just say to me? What did you say? Right. He what? You know you're, they're getting their attention. This is all engineered. It's by design. So you've got the on-site fit process. Then you have the onboarding process that, that transitions a prospective client from their former environment to yours and sets expectations and future pacing and planning into the future. And the key performance indicator that I think supports uh, is supported by that is when a financial advisor loses a client and they say to the departing client, why did you leave? And they say, well, I mean, it's nothing personal. You've been great, but I think my needs have just gotten so complex. And then they ask the question, well, what did your new advisor propose and that prompted you to see the merit in leaving? Well, it's, it's kind of hard to put my finger on, but they just seem like they've got this more thorough, really well thought out process. I mean, they do this, they do this, they do this. And every single thing they list off, the former advisor could have done. But the relationship drifted into this pattern where the client appreciated the person and the people, but they didn't have an understanding for the practice and the process. And that is an unmet need that has to be addressed. And it starts right here, on-side, on-board, and then ongoing. You know, Chris, we've been talking about service models, a service matrix. You know, I was talking to a client. He, he embraced Supernova back in, I, th I think it was 16 or 17 years ago, the 1242 baseline service model. I mean, these are really good best practices. But when, when somebody steps it up, especially in the spirit of professional scarcity and deploys a brand within a brand where they have a specific thought out deliverable, uh, multifamily office caliber deliverable for the 20%, the most deserving clientele, and they, they showcase that, it's so incredibly powerful to get someone bought into your process when it's actually laid out and client facing. I think if, if we could just reiterate at this point that you're not left to your own devices as an advisor when it comes to what that onboarding process would consist of and how that elevated contact. And we talk about, once again, the answers are changing. 1242 has changed. And those, if you aren't adapting to the new expectations of contact and communication, then cresting or, or coasting would be, uh, would be the best that we could hope for without adapting to those ever-changing needs of, if I'm not on your mind, if you're not communicating with me, how do I know that you're thinking about me or my family? If you don't have a process to answering that and they're not clear on what that process looks like, they don't assume it. You're, you're not assuming that your dentist in this very moment is thinking about your visit four months ago and whether you're flossing right now. I know no one's assuming that your dentist is thinking. That. So it's not assuming that you as their financial advisor are thinking about 
risk mitigation heading into the year end and potentially logging some serious tax consequences in a mutual fund after having lost money. Like that doesn't, they, they'll think about that in January when they get the tax bill and the preemptive move didn't occur in 2022. So unless we are communicating it, they don't think it's being done. So we don't leave that to chance. That becomes part of a process and 1242 is not enough. Now, you're right. It is now a minimum requirement. Interesting little fun fact. My dentist, who's always been incredibly innovative, his service model in between visits was primarily this theme of respectful nagging. Really? Nagging, dripping on me, nagging, nagging. Something shifted. And I don't know if it has anything to do with the conversation I had with them. But I used to dismiss those texts. Oh, yeah, here's another one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know I got to get back in there. Yeah, I get it. The, the texts have a different energy to them now. They're more about, hey, how's you know your life? Hope all is like. He's still a phenomenal dentist. His team is unrivaled. But there's a different level of anticipation now for his texts where I don't automatically discard them. I'm actually compelled because he's expanded the the themes and the energy around his service model. Very, very interesting point. But this this brings up something I think that is actually essential is with always on understanding that once you identify the gaps and you build out your your always on approach with these four quadrants on side, on board, ongoing and on words, you then realize that your number one addressable audience is to acquaint your existing clients with this. When you go back to existing clients and say, we are so excited, We're, we've embraced this exercise to really work on our business. We've, we've adopted best practices and we can't wait to show them off. And I just want to show you, like, this is what it looks like when we meet with a friend of a client. We only accept new clients reintroduced to us, but it's got to be a good fit. So let me just show you our fit process. Let me show you our onboarding process. In fact, we're going to re-onboard you to rejuvenate your appreciation for our client experience. And this is what you can look forward to because you are this client with this array of needs. This is your client experience. This is what we've laid out for you. You know, I had an advisor, one of his best clients, a client he's had for decades, say to him after he did just that, he reframed a long-term client, showed him what they've been refining and optimizing, and the client said to him, this is unbelievable. I, this is so impressive, but I have to ask, does this mean you'll be raising your fees? And the advisor said, no, no. I mean, we always are mindful of being fee worthy, but we don't want to be complacent. We always want to elevate and raise the bar. And I, I hope you appreciate that. Can you imagine a long-term client and very, very substantial client saying that sincerely, like ready to say, okay, well, I, I, I would adopt Duncan as, and I encourage advisors to actually get there before the question even comes, right? To, to raise the question. Listen, you might even think that this would entail an increase in fees. Let me just stop you there. It's, in fact, the opposite. We're looking to raise the bar. So essentially, you'll be getting more for the same or, or what will seem like even less of a cost because of the increased value. So there won't reflect any additional fee to you for these services. Why not hit that and let them know? Really? Right? Good. Even on the front end. That's really, a that's, really, really that's solid. Huge. The last thing I'll say about always on is that once this built is built out, now this impacts your ability to attract prospective clients. It's also your ability to reintroduce yourself and reframe existing long-term relationships to counter loyalty fatigue. And then lastly, if you have ambitions for a B2B model, 
How many times have we heard the expression, well, there's more buyers than sellers? Okay, so yes, there are a lot of financial advisors with access to capital and have the ability to go buy a business. When you sit down with a prospective advisor who maybe is a little weary or thinking, you know what, I need to wind things down, your ability to show them your legacy is secure, your clients are in good hands, your team members will be elevated. And let me show you how, because we run our business like a business and you show them always on. And then you actually say to them, we're going to go through a fit process to see if our interests are aligned. And then I'm going to transition your clients. Let me show you what that looks like. And I'm going to onboard them. And then I'm going to set expectations for them around their client experience. And then we're going to combine what it means to be a needs-based and goals-based professional. Not only are we going to have impeccable, consistent client service, our client experience will be scheduled and will be impactful. This is what it looks like. This intellectual property of always on, you start to realize, now has three or four layers of impact and relevance, and it's yours. People can only get it from you, and it's documented. This is such an incredible, uh, such a powerful idea whose time has come. And I hope people listening in can really embrace that and will take action as a starting point with the blue square method. You know, by evidence to that, I wonder what the statistics are around which, what percentage of advisors take the highest multiple versus those that take the best fit for their clients. And I would, I know just in my experience, and this is anecdotal, is the larger the advisor, the more substantial the practice, the more importance and relevance they place on fit for when they transition out of business and sell their practice versus their their compensation or multiple on the back end. So if it's, and those are the practices, it's if you're looking to acquire are the ones that you want, right? That's a very interesting question. And I think at least some of that is revealed in some of the uh, reporting from the practice management index, uh, looking at these commonalities and, and what separates the best from the rest. And I know as we developed this book and have been working on very timely content based on the world we're in, we'll be drawing from those reports from the Practice Management Index to address those issues. It's a, it's a great, that's a very thought-provoking uh, perspective there. I have I actually had advisors that were interested in other practices, whether they'd be a good fit, that have requested that that advisor who doesn't know the Blue Square Method do the PMI, run that practice management index to just see, uh, to give them another due diligence uh, data point or whether it would be a good fit. You know, I'll just plug something that's pretty deep in the Blue Square Method is the framework of help, helping to establish the B2B alignment of interest is framed in the acronym PSP. The, the purest fit where there's a force multiplier that, that is profound qualitatively and quantitatively starts with a philosophical alignment, meaning we see the world the same way. Then it's strategic. How do the clients benefit? And then it's practical based on the economic realities. If it's a sell and stay, if it's a gradual earnout, or if it's an immediate or, or quick exit, Following that cascading approach, but starting with the philosophy, keystoning it with the strategic client win and thinking that all out, and then having the practical, uh, like finishing with the economics, that's proven time and time again to be very, very pure. So I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, everybody. So uh, Chris, I mean, we could talk for hours, but um, where do people go from here? Take action and get yourself a digital copy of the Blue Square Method. I am really glad we didn't force this and rush it because that last couple of years, I was telling you last time I was with you, I've got the notes that I've taken from our conversations in the last two years. 
that got added to this book, it's very, very meaningful because you brought so much to that table. Also, you can uh, check in with us regarding the practice management index. We will make that available. And that investment of effort will produce incredibly actionable reporting that you can translate into results to get clear on those six to eight gaps. And I will tell you the placeholder of always on those four quadrants is universally applicable. I have not seen a team where that overlay, that template hasn't had relevance. So uh, we'll make that available as well, but uh, I'll let you have the last word. I don't know what else to add other than we appreciate and really look forward to. And at this moment right now, as we finish out 2022, heading into 2023, this is the time that we, this is the reason we all got into this business was for the uncertain times to bring relevance to our clients and, and real value. And if we play a small role in assisting you to do that, we'd be humbled to partner with you deeper at First Trust and Paredo. So Thank you guys very much for, for dialing in and for watching today. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more.